0: Romans chapter 12, are you all there? Very good, it's a favorite passage of ours. Romans 12, find verse 11. I want to read from the New International Version because I just like the way it says it a little bit better. Here we go, you ready? We do have notes for you, they should be coming around. If they didn't get to you just yet, they're on their way. Never be lacking in zeal. Come on, say that. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Father, tonight we pray for a great release of your power in our hearts and our minds, Lord, in our marriages and our children. Come and do what you love to do. Set our hearts on fire, I pray. Holy Spirit, come. Come on, ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Speak to us, change us. Lord, not, not just a lecture, not just intellect and learning, not just learning, but but literally a down, a download, a deposit of your power, your fire, your zeal. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I have seen some crazy stuff at sporting events. Is there anybody else that's seen some crazy things at sporting events? People painting their faces half one color, half another, running around, jumping around in their BVDs in the middle of dead of winter out in, in Wisconsin wearing a cheese hat. Come on. Anybody seen some crazy stuff for athletics Some call it, their boy, they're a zealous supporter of the football team, of the soccer team. Rugby has some of the most zealous people that follow rugby. Football, which we, you, there's American football, then there's football for the rest of the world, which is soccer to us. That sport has, I mean, it has like gang followings. And you could get killed at a, at a football, a soccer event in Europe if you're, if you're not careful because people are so... They're so crazy, hooligans, they call them in England. They're just, they're causing trouble constantly out for their team and God help you if you're a bad ref. The question is this tonight. I wanna talk to you about zeal. I wanna talk to you about holy zeal because there's all kinds of zeal, holy zeal. And the the question is, and it's right in your notes, are you enthusiastic, are you zealous for what matters For what really matters, the things of God. Are you zealous for the things of God? Are you zealous for the things of God? I've spent time with folks, counseling them, ministering to them, leading, trying to lead people into their dreams. I see ourselves as dream releasers. That's how, I see, that's how I see myself, and that's how I see our team here at KC, to equip the saints for the work of ministry and release you into the dream that God has placed in your heart, to see that come about. We really are an aircraft carrier. And it is our sincere hope and prayer that God would use you powerfully in this end time harvest. He would use your gifts, your talent. He'd use your treasure. He'd use everything that you have so that when you stand before him on the day of judgment, you hear, well done, good and faithful servant. So we're constantly challenging you, constantly encouraging you. And I've sat before people who say they want to be in ministry or say they want to do something for the Lord, but you just don't feel it. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I remember meeting with a young man who told me all about this, this special car he wanted to get. His eyes were popping out of his head. He was on the edge of his seat telling me about the wheels and about the motor and about the turbo charging and about this special you know, suspension that it had and on and on and on. It was amazing the passion that the young man had for the car. Right. Then we got to talking about ministry and I felt a cloud of depression come over us. Listen, if there's a cloud of depression that comes over you when you think about doing ministry or doing something for the Lord, something's wrong. Our hearts should beat with zeal and passion, but that's not always the case. The enemy comes to steal your zeal. Zeal for God is marked many in Scripture. The zeal for the Lord marked many, many in Scripture. I think about, and it's right in your notes, one of my favorite verses on zeal, for God's honor. Numbers 25 verse 10 through 11. They're on their way to the promised land and they're trying to make a shortcut through the land and this particular king is overwhelmed by millions of Israelites encamped on his land. So he hires a false prophet to curse them. He hires them and the the he gets up there to curse him. Balaam is his name. He gets up to curse Israel and God spins his words and turns it into a blessing. And he does that three different times. Yet Balaam's error is talked about in the book of, in the book of Revelation. You'll find that the, the error of Balaam. He's a considered a wicked man, and the reason he's considered is not because he took pay to bring forth a curse that God turned his word into a blessing. In fact, I love it. It says you can't, you can't, you can't curse what God has blessed, and, and there is no divination in Israel. It's in the book of Numbers, and they'll rise like a lioness and de- devour the blood of its victims. It's one of my favorite verses of Scripture. I mean, it just talks about the passion, the zeal, the power, the the unction that's on Israel, and they're not cursed, they're blessed. You never need to worry about witchcraft as long as you're living right. And that's that's why Balaam was so wicked, because what he did was he taught Balak, the king, how to mess up Israel. He said, listen, God will mess them up himself if you just get them over into sin. Just send some harlots down there. Just send some prostitutes. I remember my son, when he was about seven, asked me, Dad, what's a prostitute? And I thought, uh, uh um, how do you know you got to get creative? I'm like, and Lord, help me. He's like, son, a, a prostitute is someone who gets paid to, get kiss, to, get, to give kisses. That's what the, She says, oh, that's weird. I go, that's right. Okay, praise God. Let's move on. <laughs> that's family friendly, isn't it? Okay. Pretty much. Okay, good. Praise God. Let me say thank you, Jesus. That was really weak. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. So they send, these, they send these women down to pervert Israel. And what ends up happening is Israel gets over into sin. It's family night. Can you picture, you know what that is? Sin. Okay, so they get over into sin and a curse comes on the land and they, they begin to be cursed and wiped out by the, the Lord because they're in sin. And there's this one guy, he's a, he's a part of the youth group. Do I have any youth up in here? Oh, I would to God that God would raise up a Phineas among us, that God would raise up Phineas and Phineas Phineasettes. There's this, there's this guy, his name's Phineas. And he's like, oh, no, you're not going to mess up Israel anymore. And, and what he does is he takes a javelin, and he skewers these two that are sinning. And it says that he was so zealous for the, for the Lord's honor that God stopped the plague. Wow, zeal, zeal. There was a fire, there was a passion, there was a stirring in him that said, Oh, no, 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 you're not doing that. We're not doing this anymore. We're ending the curse. And his act of zeal ended the curse. There's others like Elijah. He faced the backslidden Ahab, the king Ahab and, and Jezebel. He faced them and he was zealous for the Lord and so zealous that he was used by God to burn up all the prophets of Baal. He burned himself out. I think he needed the vacation or needed the rest. He ran when he was then uh Ahab's a- 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 wife Jezebel came and said, may the gods kill me if I don't do to you and worse if the end of the day doesn't come and I've strung you up basically. And he, it's crazy that he wipes out all the false prophets but then she, he runs from some girl. And he runs away and the angel of the Lord touches him and helps him and the word of the Lord comes to him and gives him direction and he, he, he finds out he's not alone. He finds out he's not alone David. I think about David. He was zealous for the Lord and zealous to worship God. And, and then of course, Jesus, writing in your notes, D: Jesus expressed great zeal for the purity of the temple. His disciples, in, in John 2, he cleanses the temple, and his disciples remembered that it was written of him, written of the Messiah, out of Psalm 69, that the zeal of the house of the Lord has eaten him up. What a beautiful picture. Psalm 119, 139, and so many places there is this word zeal. In fact, I want to let me bring your attention to uh, to a little study here. Listen to this: Isaiah 9, in verse 7, of the increase of his government and of the peace there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from This time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. It says in Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 11, O Lord, your hand lifted up. Do they not see it? Let them see your zeal for your people. I mean, over and over, Isaiah chapter 59, verse 17. This is just Isaiah. There's many, many scriptures where there's this word zeal that the zeal of the house of the Lord, that the zeal of the Lord will perform it. There's a fire, there's a zeal, there's a holy passion, a holy fervor that God wants to put on you to bring you into the next season. And I will tell you that if you don't get that holy zeal, you don't get that holy fervor, you might not cross over into the destiny that you have. You've got to cultivate zeal. And if you've lost it, I challenge you, I charge you, get it back tonight, get back on fire tonight. My, my, my. Say, do you have to be so excited about it? Yes, I'm zealous. It's one of the gifts I have. A gift of zeal. Never be lacking in zeal. Say it. Never be lacking in zeal. The word is translated, let me spell it for you, P-S-O-U-D-E. The same word in the King James is called business. King James Version, it's the same word that's translated in verse eight of Romans 12, translated diligence, translated diligence. Keep your spiritual, oh, pardon me, the word translated lacking. Can you put the King James Version of Romans 12, 11, please? Never be lacking in spiritual fervor. But keep your spiritual fervor. The NIV says never lacking your spiritual fervor. The word is don't be lazy. The word is don't be slothful. Has anybody ever seen a sloth? I was in high school in biology class when I first saw a sloth. We had one actually at the school. We all thought it was dead. I mean, it didn't even look like it was breathing. And when the thing went to move, it was like, It was moving really slowly. It hardly moved at all. I really wasn't sure if it was breathing. I mean, we tried to get the thing to attack us, and it did. They move really fast when they want to bite you, so you got to watch out for that. (laughs) But they're called a sloth. You're like, look at this thing, look at this. Ah! Get to get you, you know, it's like faking it or something. Never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor. The word fervor is best translated, aglow. How many of you remember Women's Aglow? Women's Aglow. Full Gospel Businessmen's Meeting was really kind of took off along the same, around the same time. I think Women's Aglow is still around, but the full gospel businessmen's meeting, I don't hear too much of that, but you'd be, you'd be surprised when you hear about how many people back in the 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s, got touched by these full gospel businessmen's meeting and Women's Aglow meetings. The word aglow is the word for fervor, but it's also another word for to be set on fire. Has anybody seen anybody on fire before? It's not pretty. And drop and roll. Everybody say drop and roll. If you find yourself on fire, drop and roll. Somebody said, I saw some people dropping and rolling earlier. That's because we're on fire. Thank you, Jesus. The actual way it reads in the Greek, it reads burning. Keep your spiritual burning. So let me ask you this question. Does your heart burn? Do you have a burning heart for God? Would you describe your heart for Him? I mean, just ask yourself this question. Would you describe your heart for Him as a heart that burns? Uh, maybe not so much. Or maybe. You know, this morning we sang a song in the choir unbeknownst to Brother Toby and Sister Dee and Pastor Alex and the team, unbeknownst to them, that song, I have run more laps around the church singing that song. I think it came out in the early 90s. It was Ron Cannoli, who was the one that sang it. And uh, I, I have lost my mind. How many, of you know, how many of you might need to lose your mind? All right, how many of you need to claim you have the mind of Christ? Come on, thank you, Jesus. How many of you are not sure where your mind is? Okay. And I reflected on times where I was so on fire and I I believe I'm I'm, I'm as on fire I think as I am now as I was back then maybe more. I think I'm more on fire, I've learned more, I've grown more. It might not come out as laps around the church but I do run in my mind as I said. Check yourself, How? where is your spirit of burning, where is your heart burning like it was when you got saved, when you first got filled? Is your heart still burned like that, or have you gotten over into a place of complacency? Or have you gotten over into a place of ho-hum? Is coming to church an exciting thing for you? Have you still have your holy zeal, or is it just kind of like... Now we're going to church, you know, because we really have to go to church. And after all, we're responsible for the small group. We're, you'll see, see, serving the Lord. Keep your burning serving the Lord. I believe that God's speaking to us very simply tonight, that we need to break off some things. I said we need to break off some things. He said, "Well, I don't need to break off anything." Well, glory to God. Then you just pray in the spirit and believe that other people will get broken free. Here's here's what you want to do. You want to eat the meat and spit out the bones. All right, so that means when I say something and, and it's sort of fiery and you're not convicted, well, then just praise and pray and believe that other people get in touch. But if you're getting convicted, then chew it, eat it, swallow it, and change. The meat of the word is what changes you, it goes into you, allow it to change you. Come and embrace that thing. So we have enemies of zeal. One of the enemies is complacency. One of the enemies is just complacency. They're just like, well, oh well, you know. Whatever will be, will be, I guess. You just kind of fold your hands. I had a great battle earlier in the week, just a week ago, actually, where the enemy really tried to attack me and get me over into a place of overwhelm. Am I the only one that's ever been overwhelmed? I think not. And when the overwhelm comes, I'll tell you when overwhelm comes and hits me, overwhelm comes and gets me when I'm not prayed up, when I've not spent time with him, when I've not gotten a fresh touch from God, then my zeal can diminish and my fire can begin to dwindle. But when I spend time with him, when I touch the hem of his garment, when he speaks to me and encourages me and sings over me songs of deliverance, then something begins to stir. A fire begins to stir, begins to kindle, and complacency falls away. The enemy wants to get you complacent. The enemy wants to get you over into a place where, well, I guess it'll never change. What? Are you kidding me? All things are subject to change. These things are temporal. Don't be moved by the temporal things. Temporal means subject to change. We walk by faith, not by sight. Complacency needs to be broken off. If you've gotten yourself over into, well, you just fold your hands and hope it all turns out, you need to get some holy zeal. The second thing I see that needs to be broken off is fear. Many people are crippled by fear. Crippled by fear that it overwhelms them. And honestly, I had fear attack me earlier in the week, you know, last week. This is the first day of the week. Now it's a new week. Somebody say praise the Lord. Last Monday, Tuesday, just really was battling some stuff. And by the time I, I I got through Wednesday, we had pretty good Holy Ghost time on Wednesday night. You don't want to miss Wednesday night. By the time I got to Thursday, I don't know what it is. If you're anything like me, it's just kind of like, sometimes I just let the enemy push me around a little bit. And then it gets to a place where I finally am quickened. How many of you know what that means? I'm quickened by the Spirit to realize, huh, I'm in a, I'm in a war. Hmm, the enemies put some fear on me. Ha, huh, this is complacency. And I thank God for a praying wife. I thank God for a praying church. I thank God for a praying staff. I thank God for a tremendous vision. And I'm so thankful for your prayers over me, my wife, my staff, because it makes a difference. And I just believe that in that moment of complacency and even sensing some fear, a little bit of lack of faith, going, Man, what? oh, God, oh, God, how, how are you going to do this, Lord? How's this all gonna happen, Jesus? I I mean, it's just some things were yelling at me, impossibility, it's impossible. How many of you know that nothing's impossible? And I sat there on Thursday and I just said, no, 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 no. No." And something started stirring in me. And I put on my headphones, began to worship I began to sing in tongues. I began to pray. I began to get my soul touched in such a way where complacency began to break off. It was, was, really, it was amazing. I I took a half a day off to insulate the bottom of my basement. I was owed a day off from the holiday of the Monday before where we worked diligently at a prophetic conference. And so I took that half day. I'm underneath my basement. I mean, I'm 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 in a, I'm in a, what are they called? crawl space I got it I'm in a crawl space I've got my headphones on I'm insulating which is one of the things I hate most on the planet and I just don't like it it gets it's itchy I've got my insulation clothes on anybody know what I'm talking about okay I'm insulating I'm in the corner of my house And I, you know, they're doing homeschool upstairs and all that. And I am hunched over. My back hurts. I'm feeling kind of semi-overwhelmed, but I feel this fire. And I just start, I just start praying. And I took a couple, a couple swings by myself (laughs) in the basement. I said, oh no. We're going through. I just started feeling this fire well up. Can I tell you that everything changed? Complacency broke, fear broke. You will be attacked by the enemy in the area of zeal and fire and passion. And you've got to attack back. Don't just expect his sovereignty to set you free. I'm so thankful for his sovereignty that when we're weak, we'll even know we're getting barraged and attacked. And then he comes and all of a sudden you come out. Thank God for that. But as you mature, you're gonna learn that you can break out of the bondage, you can break out of your fear, and you've gotta do it really through an act of spiritual violence. So we have to break off compromise, you gotta break off, pardon me, gotta break off complacency, break off fear, break off compromise. If you're in compromise, then your zeal will be dampened to say the least. If you're in sin, if, you, if you've done things that are wrong, if, you're, if your conscience is convicting you, conviction and condemnation are two different things. Conviction is you know it's wrong, you know you need to change it. And there's a there's a wooing of the love of the Lord to repent of that thing and change your life. That's conviction condemnation is is the enemy just points his finger and says oh you are bad you're so bad you bad christian i can't believe you did that did you do that again you actually did that again what kind of oh you call yourself a believer oh you're power of the holy spirit sure Tithing again? Uh huh. Sure. Constantly barraging you, beating you up, getting getting you over into place where you're just overwhelmed by the by the face punches of the enemy. No conviction is when he touches your heart and you realize you've done something wrong and you need to get right. But if you don't get right, then you're you're, you're in a place of compromise. And that will steal your zeal. Sin will put a damper on your fire like nothing else can. Sin will put a rock in your well and stop you up. Laziness, number four, laziness. Laziness. We get up for morning prayer, maybe not as early as some, maybe earlier than others, but the truth is, morning is usually not my favorite time of the the day except I really look forward to my first cup of coffee. And we were in a staff meeting when I was back uh, with Dr. Morocco and the KC Worldwide gathered there, many of the pastors from around the world. And he was talking about how when he's lying in bed and the alarm goes off at 4.30 in the morning to get up to go to morning prayer, and he doesn't want to, and his body feels like it's dead, and he's lying there, And everything within him is just like, sleep. Sleep, it's all right. Somebody else will lead. You can sleep. He says this to himself, leaders lead. I want you to say that. Leaders lead. And he pops himself out of bed and he goes, I have my own, that that has stuck with me, leaders lead. I've got my own techniques of getting my carcass out of bed. I don't know what yours is but if you don't develop techniques to overcome laziness you will lose your spiritual fervor you will lose your fire you've got to cultivate a discipline and I do believe that I do believe that Christianity is to be passion driven not so much discipline driven but thank God for the disciplines because the disciplines can help bridge you to the place to get you your passion back do you understand don't ever quit reading the word Read the Word every day. You say, I don't know where to start. Read a a proverb a day. Start somewhere. Read the New Testament, then read it again. There's all kinds of apps on your phone. Read the Word. Challenge yourself to read it. I'll tell you what, you know how much fire you have when you get out of the river. This place, there's a river. It kind of can bring you through some things just because you're a part of it. You're in it, and it can kind of carry you even though you might not have the greatest prayer life or the greatest time of memorization of scripture, the greatest time of, of serving, you know, you're just sort of carried along. And then when you take a trip for two weeks or a week away to go see family, then you know what you got. Wow. When there ain't no fiery church and no fiery sermons, thank God you can catch it online. And I know there's other great churches and, I, and when you travel or you take vacation, you should go, you should go find, and, and if you want to know where a great church is, wherever you're going, just ask me, I'll find one for you. Try to find one. But you know when you're, you know, you're home and a few days go by and you feel half backslidden, that's because you haven't, <laughs> you haven't disciplined yourself to cultivate your zeal. Maybe you've gotten lazy. We desperately, back in the notes, we desperately need to be set on fire by the Holy Spirit. I can almost hear excuses right now. I can almost hear people like, yeah, well, you know, I tried that. Well, everybody's different. God wants you to passionately serve him. That's cultivated out of a love relationship with him. I saw a marked difference. We had two different times of prayer. We prayed all this past week, and we'll pray all this coming week. On one particular morning, I think it was Thursday morning, in fact, it was the thing that pushed me over the edge. It was Thursday morning. Thursday morning, I think most people that were there, I think they were exhausted. And so prayer wasn't as fervent as it usually is on Thursday morning. And so there were times when it was sort of quiet, and I've heard myself praying. And I, I don't really like hearing myself praying. I like being a part of a, a concert of prayer. It's kind of how I we were raised and people lifting their voices and going after God. And I, I don't know if everybody was tired or it was my imagination. I don't know. But I, 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 I left that prayer meeting thinking, whew, that was like the prayer meetings from 10 years ago. 10 years ago, I got here. There was three or four people in prayer And everybody just liked to listen to me pray. And can I tell you something? It was tough. Sorry. I just spit on you. I'm so sorry, sweetheart. (laughs) I saw this white ball just. (sighs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Oh, you're getting touched now. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Watch out. I'll spit on you too. You're her daughter. Amen. Jesus spit on people, you know. Amen. And they got healed. And then we're going to have a, spitting, oh, then we have a spitting revival. Spit revival. Wait, you're really going to get touched now. Ah. Didn't we pick on you last week too? Amen. Oh, we'll go over here. And I'm certainly not saying that to say anything bad about, about anybody or bring any condemnation. I just know this. The Bible says in the book of James a fervent prayer. There's that word fervor again. The fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. Fervent. If you go to Acts chapter two and you look at Acts chapter two, they're all gathered together in one accord. That word one, homo, accord. It's, it's one and a fervent heat. It's a fiery oneness, a fiery united. In other words, they're not thinking about the hummus that they want to eat after the meeting. They're not thinking about lamb chops. They're so united, they're a, there's a violent unity. The fervent prayer, the violent unity, the fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. I have seen a difference between the people that pray with all of their heart, which doesn't mean it's loud but it does mean it's all their heart. All their heart, all their mind, all their soul, all their strength, that brings change. Half-hearted, half-stepping, compromising, that doesn't bring any change, releases no power, will not change the world. Keep your spiritual fervor. Don't be lacking in zeal, Paul said to the Romans. Get rid of complacency, get rid of fear, get rid of compromise, get rid of laziness. We desperately need to be set on fire by the Holy Spirit. Come on, someone say, Set me on fire. Me on fire. What do they say over that, re- that revivalist back in the, in the 1700s? This, they were gathering, and they didn't have any microphones, they didn't have anything like that. They'd gather on the side of a hill, and George Whitefield would preach until the thousands of people get saved. And they were gathering outside this town, and this man is walking past another known atheist. And they're walking in the meeting. They're kind of walking to each other. And he said to the atheist, he said, hey, why are you going? You're not a believer. He said, no, I'm not. But I just, like to, I just like to watch him burn. I just like to watch him burn. There was something about his preaching that would gather people, touch people. Listen, if you don't have passion in your life, you've got to cultivate. You've got to cultivate a holy zeal. And I think that comes by revelation from the word, too you come to understand who God is. Why do the angels cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord? Why do they do that? You would think that it would just be boring for angels and seraphim and cherubim to be before the throne for eternity, crying out the glory of God. You would think think that it would be, you'd think that it would just be boring eventually, wouldn't it? No, God's power and God's beauty is so multidimensional, multifaceted like a diamond that you never actually end up seeing all the aspects of who he is. So when you dig into the word and you, you mine out the truth of God's word and you get it deep down into the city of your soul, it will set you on fire. It will touch you in a way that nothing else can. And when you come out of your quiet time because you've disciplined yourself to study the Word. And there's a lot of ways to do these. Well, I don't know how to study. There is all kinds of Bible studies that we offer here at the church. There's wonderful resources you can get online, but you want to make sure that you're not over into some heresy or some sloppy, agompy, uh, neo-Calvinist type teaching that's out there because there is like a neo-Calvinism. And it's this hyper-grace movement that, that, listen, and here's how you test that. Any message on grace that doesn't move you to more holiness and righteousness in God is a message from the devil to move you over into compromise. So any message of grace that, that, that tries to settle you so that you can live more half-heartedly, more in the world, and be okay, that's from the devil. That's how you know that. Now, we don't earn it. We don't earn God's favor. We have it. But out of that, it should motivate us. Is this getting through to anybody? You gotta be set on fire by the Holy Spirit. The entrance of his word brings light. If you need more light in your life, get in the word, memorize the word, declare the word, prophesy over yourself, proclaim the truth over yourself, write scriptures on the bottom of your, script, the bottom of your shoes so the devil can read them. Channel your fire into service. I've said this before, I'm preparing a sermon, the Sermon on the Mount series. Not sure when the Lord will allow me to bring that out. But one of the best ways I know to partner with God's fire, with God's grace, y'all listening? is do the Sermon on the Mount. You say, what's the Sermon on the Mount? Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, and Matthew chapter 7. I'd encourage you to memorize it and do it. Do the Sermon on the Mount. Every day, try to cultivate these beatitudes, be at their attitudes, their kingdom attitudes. The Sermon on the Mount are the bylaws of the kingdom, and if you learn to live by them, you'll begin to have a tenderized heart for the power of the Holy Spirit that'll touch your life and touch all around you. But if you live according to the principle the world, then you're not going to have that. That's right. Right. And you've got to you've got to allow for your ch- to, it's fire to channel you into service. Service. Be zealous for spiritual gifts. Come on, someone, be zealous for spiritual gifts. How many zealous for spiritual gifts? You, you want more of the gifts of the Spirit? Let me let me just say, I I taught this whole lesson to my staff on Friday morning, but I felt impressed to go through it again uh, with the whole congregation tonight. I'm challenging myself to go deeper in the gifts of the Spirit. See, even the mention of that, somebody think, well, what are you talking about? I thought that just the spirit, gifts of the Spirit operate sovereignly as the Spirit wills. That's true, but the the Spirit is willing and the flesh is weak, and I've found that you can sharpen your gifts, you can sharper the accuracy of the prophetic word. If you don't have gifts like that, you can earnestly covet, says 1 Corinthians chapter 12 in those final verses. Earnestly, turn there. Turn to 1 Corinthians 12. I'm almost done. Hang in there. Let me come over here again. 1 Corinthians 12, thanks. Can I borrow that? Verse 31. But eagerly desire the greater gifts. He's talking about the spiritual gifts and he goes into the love chapter. Many of you know that. Some of you need to read it. Remind yourself of what real love is earnestly desire the greater gifts. Verse 31, the King James says earnestly covet, earnestly covet the greater gifts. And I have learned about spiritual coveting and I have been stirred again to go to another level of spiritual coveting. What do you mean by that? Come on, you know what it is to covet your neighbor's riverboat. Harley. Hopefully not your neighbor's wife. Woo! earnestly covet, to strongly desire them. It is a principle of spiritual coveting that will release the gifts in your life. Listen, I was taught this. I feel like I didn't even have any gifts when I got saved. Then I started coveting. I started asking for them. Some of them came naturally, but the other ones I've pressed myself into. But I got stirred recently to go to the next level in words of knowledge. And so I started studying about the word of knowledge. I started looking about the operation of the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament, started reading some scriptures. I've listened to some sermons. I'm challenging myself. And so I'm challenging to go to the next level. And so I'm just pushing and pushing because I want to go to the next level because there's something about a word of knowledge. There's something about a word of knowledge. A prophetic, Prophecy is about someone's, it's foreknowledge about someone's future or what's going to take place. Word of knowledge is knowing something about somebody can bring them into healing. Yes. Word of wisdom. How many of you need a word of wisdom over your finances maybe, over your business maybe, over the relationship maybe that you're struggling with? God can speak to you a wisdom to unlock the door. Yes. But sometimes we just think and just think, well, it's just gonna come. He's just gonna come. Well, that's great. I'm glad your faith is there. But how about, how about change that? Get some holy zeal, get some holy fire, get some holy passion, and press in and ask God. God, I long for wisdom. Whoever you act lacks wisdom, ask. He'll give her liberty. Lord, release wisdom. God release to me knowledge from the throne about this. Oh God, release knowledge. And I'll pray in the spirit. I'll pray in tongues. That's a language that God will give you, a prayer language. His Holy Spirit. Working economically with your spirit. Praying the perfect will of God. Amazing. That's a gift that you could have. You just need to ask for it. When when tongues is interpreted, that's prophecy. But when I say pray in the spirit in the church, I'm talking about praying your prayer language. And when everybody's praying, that's not out of order. It's in order. Now if one person just goes off right now in tongues, we would wait for an interpretation. And that interpretation will come. If it's indeed from God, how do you know? Because I have the gift of interpretation. I'll wait for somebody else to bring it, but in the end, I'll make sure it's in order. Hello? And it'll be judged. That's prophecy. tongues with interpretation is prophecy. Am I getting through to anybody tonight? You can earnestly covet the spiritual gifts. And you can position yourself to say, God, I really, really want this. Lord, you died on a cross and rose again from the grave. God, would you please release this gift to me? And then through zeal, through passion, through fire, really, and the gift of the Spirit operating, you can begin to see these gifts flow in your life. But if you don't have any zeal and you don't have any passion it'll be pretty hard for you to move into the gifts of the Spirit. If you don't have boldness, very hard to flow in the Holy Ghost. Come on, someone say right. Right. You gotta have boldness. What did did they pray for when they returned after the, the threatenings there in Acts chapter four? They had a prayer meeting and they said, God, grant to us boldness. Give to us boldness. I think that could be, I'd need to go look at it, but We could say grant to us zeal, grant to us boldness, grant to us fervor, that the same power you gave us that was upon us to, to do the Word, you'd give us some more of that, that we would turn turn the city upside down. I'm telling you, all we need is the fire of the Holy Ghost and the demonstration of His resurrection power in our lives with character and integrity and the Word of God, and we will see our community change. You will see your life changed. You'll see your family changed. Be zealous for spiritual gifts, but more than that, see that you excel in the gifts that build up the church. I think the church, I'm a big local church guy. I think the church is God's answer to our nation. If we could have more on fire churches that invade the culture, we'll see our nation turned. If we could have more on fire churches in the nations of the earth, we can see them turn. Stir up the gift of the evangelist. Ask him to give you a burden for souls. Ask him to give you a burden for the things of God. Ask him, ask him for that. Be eager to do what is good. Are you eager to do what is good? You know, i am talked to Dr. Morocco, who's our senior pastor. He's my pastor, has been for 20 years plus. I talked to him on the phone. I think nearly every conversation he ends with, be good. Be good, okay, be good, hangs up. Or sometimes, he's one of those kind that sometimes doesn't say goodbye. How many of you know that kind? You're talking to him, and you're like, okay, yeah. He's like, all right, click. He's like on to the next thing. I used to get offended early on, but now I know he's just moving on. Be good. Be good. Be good. Everybody say be good. good. Come on, tell your children, "Be be good. Be good. Labor fervently in prayer. Labor fervently in prayer. Are you laboring fervently in prayer? In the book of Galatians, Paul writes to the church in Galatia, am I again in labor pains until Christ is formed in you? Raise your hand if you've given birth. What was that like? I don't answer all at once. That transition phase. Where you're just brutal, I'm to understand I have no idea what it was like, but I'm told that if if you take your upper lip, gentlemen, pull it back over your head, it'd be something like that. (laughs) Don't do it. So the Apostle Paul uses that terminology to talk about his prayer life until Christ is formed in those he's writing to. Christ is formed in them. Am I again in labor pains? So let me just ask you, are you in labor pains? Now that we know what that is, I mean, ladies, I mean, gentlemen, if you know, Seen a woman in labor, maybe your wife. You'll never touch me again <laughs> until you hold that beautiful baby, and you're like, "Oh, thank you, Jesus!" Right? You're right. Okay, that's what I'm told. Anyway, praise God. Labor pains. Am I again in labor pains till Christ is formed in you? Do you pray like that for your kids? I think I'm getting convicted. Am I the only one being convicted? Do you pray like that till Christ is formed in your children? Your number one disciples are your children. Amen. Do you pray like that till Christ is formed in them? Do, do, do you labor in prayer like that for those who you're discipling or for your own maturity? Do you? Listen, truth is probably not. Okay, I'm convicted too. So the apostle Paul that changed the known world wrote, wrote most of the New Testament. He says, I'm in labor pains. I believe that we've not seen many people brought into a, a, a real strength and a maturity in the church because there hasn't been the kind of labor pains in prayer. You, you've got to give yourself to fervent prayer. I've had people say, man, I've tried that. I don't think so. See, I, I remember thinking I was praying fervently. Then I got with somebody that prayed fervently and I realized my fervent prayer wasn't exactly what theirs was. And I, and I thought, okay. I began to change, learn, learn how to labor, learn how to travail. Where is that in the church? Travail. Do you know what travail is? They used to have meetings where people would come to the altar and pray through. Have you ever heard that expression? You need to pray through. I used to hear that in my early walk, but I don't hear it too much. You need to pray through. You know what praying through is? You pray till you hear like a bell in heaven rung. Ding, 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 ding. ding. You got it. You got it. It's over. Do you feel like, boom, I had a breakthrough. Have you, have you prayed for something like that? Have you, when's the last time you did that? Because I'll tell you what happens. Answers happen. And some of you have lost some of your spiritual fervor because you've been disappointed that, that things didn't come through the way that you thought. Listen, the storm that you're in is designed by God many times. Sometimes the devil's storm. Other storms come from God. The storm that you're in, if it's from the Lord, is designed by Him to teach you how to weather the storm, how to get through the challenges and move to a place of rich fulfillment. That's what it is. So quit belly aching. Come on, get some fire in your furnace and begin to press through. And take authority. Listen, I don't know sometimes if it's a storm from God or a storm from the devil until he reveals that. Sometimes I don't know. I repent for not wearing my seatbelt. I repent for not being a better husband. I repent for speeding, which I do occasionally. You know, I get all that out of the way. Any known sin I repent of, I mean, I I don't sin on purpose. If you're sinning on purpose, then you probably need to get saved. Hello? Hello? I got compromised. I don't have compromised in my life, not on purpose. We all stumble. Amen. And after that, I'm praying, God, reveal to me, is this storm from you? Is this from the enemy? What's going on? And the Lord will show you. If it's from the devil, take the blood of Jesus and beat him back to the hole that he crawled out of. Until you hear the bell ring, you pray through. Pray fervently. And if it's the Lord, then he's trying to do something in you. Those whom the Lord loves, he beats the hell out of, one version says, if you have any hell on the inside of you, how many of you know it would probably be good if you got it out? He chastises. You know, suffering is good. I I don't like it. But I sure love, I'm not, Lord, I'm. (laughs) I'll tell you what. It does something for you. pushes you real close to God if you let it, either that or you turn heel and run and go back to the vomit that he brought you out of like a dog. I wouldn't suggest you do that, run to the Lord. Yeah. You're feeling pressure, you're feeling tension, you're feeling warfare, pray through, try that. Try getting on your knees until you, until you know you have an answer, yeah. until something changes in your life. Yeah. Labor fervently in prayer, I'm almost done. Love one another with a pure heart, fervently. Fervently. Loving fervently means getting up and doing something, doing acts of love when you least feel like it. It's easy to, to love on folks when, it's, when they're all sweet to you. It's easy when, you know, it's just everything's right. The atmosphere's right. It's just wonderful, right? You know when you can really love the Lord? When you don't feel like it and you're in a valley and you go and serve somebody and it's the last thing that you want to do. Oh yeah. That's fervently loving. Being kind, being compassionate. Excel in the grace of giving, the apostle Paul says. Excel in the grace of giving. It's a gift gift of giving. D, be enthusiastic about the things of God and what God's doing here at KC in our church, what God's doing in the ministry, what God's doing in your life. You know why? Enthusiasm and zeal is contagious. And there is a lack of passion out there There's a lack of passion. Lots of people have passion to do evil. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a holy zeal to see the things of God come to pass, which truly satisfy. At his right hand, there's pleasures forevermore. And your enthusiasm, your zeal will touch people all around you. It'll be infectious. It'll grow. Come on, ask God for holy zeal right now. Come on, ask him for holy zeal. Ask him for enthusiasm in what you're doing. Ask him to get your passion back. Don't let your personality limit what God can do through you. We all have different personalities. I'm not talking about that. My zeal and my passions expressed differently than maybe yours, but it's undeniable you see someone's passion. You can see it. You can see someone's zeal. It's undeniable, and it'll be expressed in your own personality, in your own way. But don't let your personality limit you. Well, we just come from a quiet family, so we're not... And again, I'm not talking about being loud. I'm talking about fire. I'm talking about zeal, passion that comes from the Holy Spirit. you got to cultivate it. Stand up on your feet all across this place. Lift your hands to heaven. Holy Spirit, come. Come on, just call on His name. Just a few moments longer. Service is over. Set us on fire, Lord. Set
1: us on fire, Lord.
0: The book of Revelation says you're neither cold nor hot. You're lukewarm. Because you're lukewarm, I will spit you. I'll spew you out of my mouth. What a scripture that is. Either cold or hot. Lord, we want to be red hot. Come on, ask God to set your heart on fire. Ask God to fill you with zeal. Some of you need to return to your first love. You forgot what it's like. You forgot what it's like to be in love with Jesus. You need to return to your first love. Remember when you got saved. Remember when you ran home to tell people, my sins are forgiven. Remember that? Remember when you used to like flag people down and tell them about the Lord? Come on, ask God for some holy fire. I think think we ought to just fill the altar for those of you that feel led to and just, just come. Just come right good old fashioned seek God right now. Come on. Let him turn your heart. Got passion for cars? Passion for, for finances maybe? How about passion for the things of God? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. He will add all things. Holy Spirit come. Set our hearts on fire. We need you. I wanna tell a story and I'm not sure why I wanna tell it, but I'm gonna do it. Early on in my salvation, I had, I mean, I had nothing. I had no physical things. I had no car, I had no bike, I walked. Somebody else was helping me with my rent. I had a job that didn't pay much that I eventually got fired from. I had lost much. And I was sitting in this little, this little apartment basically And I was crying because I was sensing and feeling the love of the Lord for me. I was feeling so satisfied and I began to laugh because I had a pulse. I won't ask you to raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. I had a pulse and I realized, man, I'm alive. I'm alive and God loves me. And I just began to lift my hands and lift my voice and say, oh God, I love you, I love you. And he spoke so clear to me. and said, go outside, run outside right now. I got up, and I ran outside. I mean, I heard him. I don't know if it was audible. I don't think so. He just spoke to my heart. I ran outside. I ran to the edge of the street. And I'm standing there looking around, and here comes somebody on a bike. And the Lord says, "Stop him and tell him about my love. I say, bro, hey, bro. And the guy pulls over, yeah. I said, oh, i got to tell you something, man. i got to tell you, for real. i got to tell you. There is this one whose name is Jesus. And he died on a cross and he rose again from the grave. And I heard that my whole life, but I asked him into my heart not that long ago, man, and he touched me, he helped me. It's like I'm just free. And, and I was in there just thanking him for having a pulse. And I felt like he told me to run out here. When I got out here, I saw you. And he re- I really felt like, I know it might be weird, but I really felt like God told me to tell you that he loves you. The guy's eyes filled with tears. He's like, thanks. And he couldn't wait to get away from me. I didn't lead him to Jesus. He was totally freaked out. I know it's like, and he got saved and fell out. No, that didn't happen. He, he rode away as fast as he could on his little Schwinn. When's the last time a passionate love for God moved you to do something like that? When's the last time that you couldn't wait to get home to read the book of Leviticus? Man, if you can't wait to get home to read the book of Leviticus, because that's where you are in your one-year Bible reading plan, you on fire. When's the last time you just couldn't wait to let, to turn the onion skin pages, or or maybe lift that up and just smell the pages? And, and have you ever kissed your Bible? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You, in fact, monks used to call it the kisses of the word. They lived this solitary lifestyle. They would call it the kisses of the word that God would so touch them as they studied the word. Where is your zeal, your fire for prayer? Where's your zeal and your fire for souls? Where's your zeal and your fire for the things of God? Where's your love for the Lord? Are you, are you still on fire? When's the last time you blushed? When is the last time that you blushed? Come on, ask God to set you on fire. Come on a moment longer. Move us out of complacency. Move us out of apathy i bind those spirits tonight off of our lives move us out of fear move people out of compromise tonight and excuses set our hearts on fire lord set our hearts on fire set our hearts on fire we're hungry we're thirsty Jesus Jesus remove that which hinders that which binds break off the spirit of the age break off the spirit of the age in the name of Jesus set our hearts on fire that we may be a people of holy zeal
1: closer to you want to be closer to you
0: i want to be closer i
1: want to be closer i want to be closer to Jesus. Sing out. I want to be closer to you. I want to be closer to you. So set a fire burning me. I want to be closer to you.
0: As it says in Isaiah, Lord, release a spirit of burning upon our hearts. Let the burning fire and passion and zeal of the Lord consume us. We would hunger yet again for Your Word. We would hunger again to spend time with You. Lord, we're distracted so often by uh, the electronics, so often by the cares of this world. We want to be closer to You. And we're asking, set our hearts on fire. Set our hearts on fire. Set our hearts on fire. Set our hearts on fire fire tonight. Come on, Pastor Alex, want to be closer? I want to be closer to
1: You. I wanna be closer yeah. to you to so set a fire burning
0: me. I wanna be closer. Release your fire to you. tonight. I
1: wanna be closer to you. Oh.
0: I, wanna I wanna be closer, be
1: closer to you. To you. So set a fire Holy Spirit, me. I wanna be closer to you. Just your voices, I wanna be closer wanna to closer you. I want to you, be closer to you. I set a fire burning me. I want
0: to be closer to Oh, Holy Spirit. I want to be closer to
1: you. I want to be closer to you. So set a fire burning me. I want
0: to be closer to you. So Lord, we're asking to set us afire. Tonight, I pray a release of dreams and visions. I pray tonight, God, your power and the fire of your Spirit would come upon us as we rest. Would rest upon us that you would turn our hearts that perhaps have been a heart of stone, that you would turn them into a heart of flesh again. That you would tenderize us. God, that you would expand our capacity to love you in a greater way that you would open up the eyes of our heart that you would illuminate us that we might know the hope of our calling and what is the glorious riches of your inheritance in the saints and your exceedingly great power towards us who believe set us on fire we would passionately serve you with holy zeal set us on fire for the word set us on fire, give us a burden for souls set us on fire for fervent prayer effectual fervent prayer I call you to prayer. I call you to prayer. If you're able to get up and be a part of our prayer time, do it. If not, mark out a time in your life. Mark out an hour. where you get up a little bit earlier, you will see God's hand released on your life in a greater way if you set a, a quiet time that doesn't have to be quiet. God is waiting for you in the time that you set apart that you're not having. He's waiting to meet you. If you'll mark that hour, you'll mark that time. Look, start with five minutes, maybe 10 or 15, and, and cause it to grow. There's a release of God's power waiting for you as you learn to pray, as you learn to travail, as you learn to pray through. So, Lord, set our hearts on fire. We return. We return to our first love.
1: I want to be closer to you. Closer to you. To so set a fire burning me. I want to be closer to you. I want to be closer to you. I want to be closer to you. To so set a fire burning me. I want to be closer to you.
0: Everybody lift your voice. I want to
1: be closer to you. I want to be to you, Just to set a fire burning me, I want to be closer to you, I want to be closer to you.
0: never want to close a service without giving people an opportunity to repent. There there really is a place called hell, as I've said so many times before, and a place called heaven. The only way you can enter into heaven when you die is by receiving God's gift. The free gift of eternal life is purchased for you and me through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you've never received him, or maybe you have and you compromised and you're, you're not living for him, and you know you need to give your life back to him. You know you need to get right with him. You want to give your heart to Jesus, or you want to give your heart to him a, for the a recommitment afresh. You want to give your heart back to him because you've been compromised. You want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time, or you want to recommit your life all across this place. Those online, every head bowed, intercessors praying. If that's you. Come on, don't play church on me. Don't do that. If that's you and you know it, you know you need to get right with Jesus. First time or recommitment. All across this place, on the count of three, slip your hand up. You say you want to be included in this prayer on the count of three. One, two, three. Slip your hand up high. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I see that hand, young man. Leave your hand high. God bless you, sweetheart. God bless you, sir. Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you. Look at all these hands going up. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You know what we're going to do? Here's what we're going to do. If you raise your hand. Can we make just a bit of room right up here? If you raise your hand and you're serious. Now, we never want to embarrass anybody here. We will never do that. Certainly not on purpose. We want to protect people's dignity. We love you. But we have a theory. It's based on the scripture that Jesus said, if you acknowledge me for my Father in heaven, I will acknowledge you. But if you deny me, said Jesus, I will deny you. And so in a moment, if you raised your hand or you didn't, you know you need to be included in the prayer. I'm going to invite you to meet me right here. And there's going to be some others that come with you. You're not going to be alone. I promise you that. And we're going to pray this prayer all together. And what you're doing is you're saying, yep, I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm getting right with God tonight. It's the greatest thing. Angels look in on the things of salvation. Do you know right now, scripturally, angels are looking in to see. Oh, yeah, come on. Come on, you can begin to come like a little child. Look at this. Look at this. They came all on their own. Didn't even invite them yet. Somebody ought to say praise the Lord. Come on, come. If your hand went up, just come. Leaders, please respond now. Come on. Come on, come around these. Come on, come all the way up front. Come as close to my hand as you can. I want to be closer to you. I want to be closer to you
1: set a fire burning I want to be closer to You wanna be closer. I want to, to I wanna be
0: closer to You I want to be closer to You come on, come there's room burning. come all the way in I want to I wanna be closer to You I want to be closer
1: to You I want to be closer to You Set a fire
0: Every head bowed, every eye closed, pray this right out loud. Just repeat right after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father. Father, Come on, right out. You said I have to do it out loud? Yes. With your heart you believe, with your mouth you confess unto salvation. It's important. You ready? Say, Dear Heavenly Father. Thank you for sending your Son Jesus to die in my place and to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my heart come into my life and be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer.